0: It's the Lowdown with Low Tide Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick New name, same great team Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road My daughter works at a a skateboard place now And I sing that song and she hates it And as you know, if you have kids (laughs) That's just encouraging to you, right? So, I'm surprised how many lyrics I know from that song It's gotta be 20 years old and there's stuff going on in my brain that remembers that. I don't know why. Sean Keeler joins us now from Denver Post to talk a little bit about the Broncos. Two wins in a row. Uh, are we? Is this a resurgence of the team, of the quarterback? What's going on over there?
1: Oh,
2: uh, yeah. I, I, from where we were a month ago, yeah, It's I don't think it's a resurgence. It's a, it's a surgence. There's no <laughs> coming from nowhere. I, uh, you have to be somewhere to come back to somewhere. I, I think they're getting... Somewhere now, I think in hindsight, and we've had the buy and some time to kind of reflect on this. Patrick Mahomes was sick. Okay, hey, two things: Patrick Mahomes was sick. Taylor Swift didn't come to Denver. The Chiefs <laughs> lose all their. It's like Aquaman out of water. They lose. You know, they lose all their power. Um, so there, it's not an asterisk, but it is worth noting. And I think you're going to get a better taste of what the Broncos really are. Uh, against another alleged AFC contender, I say alleged, given the way they've played away from home in the in the Bills. I think I think this game or in Denver will be a little different than what it's going to end up being because it's in Buffalo tonight.
0: So I shouldn't I shouldn't cross off Broncos will make a cor- take a quarterback with their high pick. That that's still going to happen.
2: i uh, I wouldn't cross it off. I would put it in pencil. Okay, if you're going to cross anything, I think. The next six weeks, you know, this is a, a no duh take. It's 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 a really interesting six weeks, and a really more interesting five after this one. I think sixty percent of ta- of town here, uh, and certainly along the front range, is kind of marked tonight as an L. I think <laughs> three three and six looks very much on the table. Uh, I think the, the what they ultimately decide to do. QB-wise, or at least I should say high pick-wise, assuming they have one, is going to be down somewhat to what Russ looks like in these next five games against five beatable, air quotes, uh, opponents, more so than the Bills will be at home, I think.
0: What about Jerry Judy? Where 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 is he going and what's happening with him, and will it happen in Denver?
2: I, I think he's staying here for the course of this season. I don't know that he will... I think his contract year is next year, technically. He's on the two-year extension. I don't know that he's going to see that full year next year. I think they're going to continue... I mean, obviously, they've had offers for him. I think they're going to continue to listen to offers for him. It, it was not a seller... I guess, yeah. It was not a seller-friendly trade market, if that makes sense. I mean, mm. saw some of the returns. I mean, the Bears did some crazy things. The teams that... that got in the selling mode were basically be up against the Eagles, Like right? They were all in CE scheme that went, yeah, no thanks, no thanks. We know where this is going. Uh, I'm not sure the Broncos are in any better shape than, than, say, the Commanders and the Giants are, relatively speaking, when you do the math. But they didn't like what was there for Judy, but I think they're going to keep putting those guys out there until they feel they give them cause uh, not to. And again, that's going to be something interesting to look for these next five weeks, too, because I think it really, you know, a month ago we thought, oh, they're going to break this up. Please break this up. I think, you know, you're at two wins now. What changes at three and five? Well, besides a bad market to sell in, uh, can you make some hay in the AFC? Can you stack up mm. some conference wins that give you some standing uh, in what looks like a a playoff bracket that'll allow a 9-8 team to get in. I'm not saying the Broncos can get to 9-8, but they want to pretend they can get to 9-8.
0: And also, the division is really helping them, aside from the top of the division. Like, everybody's kind of, you know, their matzo balls are boring.
2: The Chargers are such a, a, I mean, the, the Raiders are the Raiders. And you know what? People have said Antonio Pierce might be a pretty good coach for that kind of, guys that guys will get behind you know there, there's some people that can no one gets behind josh mcgain <laughs> <But, laughs> <laughs> now we're biased here in denver because basically the same thing that happened to him there happened here 10 years earlier and the nfl never learned its lessons about the bill pelichick coaching tree but the chargers are a massive disappointment to me i mean can you imagine what and i'm gonna a real coach would do with that quarterback and some of that talent there i, I that's just that's nuts to me, and and they haven't played the Broncos twice, and those are, good, you know, those are coming up, and those are going to tell a lot about where the middle of that, of that pack goes. But I, yeah, I, I think they feel, hey, we're we're still. I think that's what's remarkable to me about kind of some of the failures, if you want to say, again, including the Chargers in the AFC of some of those elite, air quote teams to get some separation, with the exception of. Of the Chiefs, really, and you know, and they've had some moral moments, and I think the Dolphins are in that club too. Uh, at this point, I, I think until this sorts out, I, I think the Broncos have to feel look. We, we, if we get stacked a couple more of these again tonight, might be a tricky one. But you've got an opportunity with Houston and Cleveland uh, and down the line to to try to you know make some kind of statement in this race. I think they think they can. I don't know that they will, but they think they can.
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, what is the belief in Sean Payton among the fan base?
2: Uh, It's it's a 6. Okay. I I think it's not quite – you might have been, again, a month ago, and it might have been closer to a 4 or 5 of, oh, what have we done? Here we go again. I mean, that Chiefs thing was such – an albatross. I mean, it just hung and hung and hung, and people like, "Well, can can anybody hit this pinata and just open this up and get this done?" You know, he was the coach that did it, and if nothing else, he will be the coach that finally beat the Chiefs, which is silly and stupid, and that's how low the bar is sunk here. So, you know, you have to take that in some context. And Russell Wilson by doing almost nothing was the quarterback to finally beat Patrick Mahomes. Hey, that was the plan, right? That's <laughs> why you made the trade. You just, you know, went four and 12, 4 and thirteen in the other games, uh, leading up to this point. So I, I think it's in the six ish. If they lose tonight, it'll go back to five. If they were pulling ups, so, I mean Buffalo is really good at home. Buffalo is kind of the ultimate home road weirdo, good team in the AFC. Uh, and that's the other reason I think people are like, eh, let's just get this over with and, and not get anybody hurt if you can help it. It uh, he might he would go to a six or seven if they were talking about pulling upset, but I, I think that's pretty unlikely tonight. And I think it stays in that five-six range. Tell
0: me about McLaughlin.
2: Well, he's a heck of a story. You know, he's a super – let me tell you about McLaughlin. We, the media – uh that cover the broncos and i'm a columnist here so i get there once a week give or take depending on what Dion sanders has me locked up doing <laughs> and we we are in the the indoor facility the main facility there are two buildings essentially there's three on the broncos campus we used to be housed in the main building where the players locker room is we have been moved and it's not a complaint just a fact uh, it's to the uh, field house, to the big barn where they the indoor f- facility, uh, 100 mi- yards away, you know, across the street, essentially, from where the players are now. And I bring that up because, every, you know, players' time is their own outside of meetings. And so we're there working one evening, or a couple of evenings I've seen this, and I hear noises outside on the field, which is adjacent to the room where they have us working. So we open the door and we look, and it's, 7.30 at night. Not quite snowing yet, but you know that that comes here. And somebody's doing cone drills. Somebody's doing doing 40s just working on on burst stuff. It's Julian McLaughlin. You know, well after hours, well after everybody's gone to, to deal with their lives, do whatever they're doing, this kid is working and working and working. That's a long up to, to a very simple story that I think says a lot. And I think it says a lot about why he stuck. It says a lot about why he made the team. And it says a lot about... Why people think he'll stick in this league, assuming he can block and not just be a situational guy. Because I think coaches love—never mind—you can't teach that kind of speed. He changes direction at pace. You know, some guys have to slow down a, a tick or have to, you know, process to to wiggle. There isn't. He is one speed he goes, and it's a fabulous thing to watch when it's going. But he's also got that work ethic. I think has got him a lot of fans. Uh, in this league, and when you, when Sean Payton likes you, uh, word about that is going to get out. And he definitely likes Julio McWaple. We like, wish he liked him more because he doesn't get the ball enough. Yeah, and neither does Barban Bibbs. And that's a whole other topic.
0: Sean Keeler, our guest, Denver Post uh, Post columnist. I wanted to ask you about uh, Dion. What a story! Like you know, it's for for a writer like you, this must be manna from heaven because even when they're losing, he's very interesting.
2: Yeah, but we knew it would be. I think we spoke earlier this fall that no matter what, we didn't know what this was going to look like. And it's literally run the gamut kind of in the course of nine weeks to hear where it's, ah, oh, it's 3-0, oh, it's great. It's, oh, what a turnaround. To, oh, that Stanford game. and Oh, could you blow that lead to 4-6 okay, and, and you might not win another game because the Pac-12 is really good this year. And it's, and it's dying throws and it's farewell march. Uh, in big-time college football, so yeah, I, I, I you count your blessings. Sometimes you get yelled at, like I, I did by him last Tuesday. Although he's fine, he's prime is prime. I, th- there are issues with coverage and access, and his view of the world versus ours. But he's always been fairly professional with me. He's been fairly professional with most of the local guys. He just hasn't been super revealing <laughs> or super, uh, you know, we get, a we get you know, an hour a week with him and that's about it. Um, you know, it's limited, but it's cordial. It's a heck of a story. It's going to be a heck of a story. Uh, you know, obviously the question here today locally is because a bunch of jobs came open. We're in the firing season now. It came a little later than it normally does. And, you know, the big time one at Texas A&M, they go, oh, you because know, they have more money, you know, they have pretty much print money. Down at College Station, so they're like, "Oh, well, oh, we'll go buy buy Deion Sanders out," which they could, and I'm sure part of him wouldn't mind that. But there are two things to keep in mind with Prime, and one of the reasons he's still here and will be here next year, I would think at least at least next year is a uh, his kids can't transfer with him immediately, and he has to take everybody with him. It's a package deal that won't happen with the NCAA. Under rules. Um, he can't take Travis Hunter with has uh, you know, Everyone has to file a waiver, and there's going to have to be lawyers involved to make what happened happen. And two, he wants control. And Colorado gave him not so much a blank check because they can't outbid SEC schools, but they gave him a pretty uh, blank easel, if you like. And AM is not, you know, <laughs> there's a reason he didn't take an SEC job uh, because Auburn and AM. Don't give you a black eagle. You have to, you know, hang out with the sugar daddies. and You yeah. have to hang out with this booster and do this with this booster. And you know this, and this has not changed. Prime does what Prime wants. Prime does not do what a booster tells him. And that would be very, very different in a big place. So, I'm, you know, next year maybe uh, Buffs fans can get worried. I'm not sure, you know, no matter what ESPN or anybody tries to tell you, I'm not sure I'd worry about the next month.
0: John Keeler, thank you. Appreciate it.
2: Take care up there. See
0: ya. All right. There you go. Sean Keeler, Denver Post columnist, dad, husband, drummer, dog lover. I endorse all of those. I can't drum worth, you know, anything. You know, I was listening the last time you played Into the Groove by Madonna. I was listening to the drum track on that. Wow. It kicks ass. I was going to say, if he's
1: a drummer, he must have really appreciated Skater Boy because they come in hard with that one. Yeah, they do.
0: I I went as long as I could. I mean, I don't know how long we went on that.
1: Oh, we could have gone a couple more minutes. No one would have minded. I don't
0: know why that's such a catchy little tune, but it is. You know, grown man like me singing skater boy out the window is a little embarrassing.
1: We don't appreciate Avril Lavigne the way we should. You know you're right. She's a Canadian treasure. <laughs> totally. She's great.
0: You know. She'd have oh. to be among the, the like the iconic women.
1: Oh, uh, for sure. Her and Celine Dion, and then
0: everybody else. That's the list. Well, wait a minute. There's Joni Mitchell. There's, you know...
1: I said what I said. Her and Celine Dion, and then everybody else. That's oh the Oh, my God. That's how, that's how big okay. they are. That's not an indictment on the rest of the wonderful Canadian oh, singers. Text us have. at one uh,
0: 401 We're going to make a list of great Canadian women talent, musical talent, and... I mean, we haven't even mentioned Alanis Morissette, which we should be condemned and shot for not doing that right off the hop. But you got to have her in there. you got to have Joni Mitchell and in there. Come on now. I said what I said. I know you did. And you should, you know, mm-hmm. eternal damnation awaits you, sir. There are, te- there are levels to
1: this. Like Corey Anderson once said, there's levels to this. Yeah.
0: And, and they're level It's above. the lowest level, the closest to the furnace. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Jason Greger is on the way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. 119, this is the Lowdown, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hello to Doug and to Mary. So we have Joni Mitchell, Celine Dion, Shania Twain... Alanis Morissette, Sarah McLaughlin, we didn't mention, we have to mention Sarah McLaughlin, Avril Lavigne, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, Nellie Furtado, um, Anne Murray, Katie Lang, Alicia Cara, remember that? That was, uh, uh, she was very Alessia
1: popular. Alicia Cara,
0: I you think know? it is. Alana uh, Miles, uh, Black Velvet, right? That was the big one. Um, Sass Jordan, Jan Arden. Anybody else? Anybody we miss? So there's a couple. Is what I'm oh hearing. yeah, great music.
1: You know what? What a country. Well, we just, we yeah, just, right?
0: We haven't even mentioned Luba, who I love. We just siphon talent. Shirley Icard. I mean, I'm getting you know a little obscure, yeah. but yeah, we've done okay. We've done okay. Patricia Dahlquist, Charity Brown. Is is Jason coming in or?
1: Yes, he 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 will be sure. Do you want me to run out and grab? No, him? no, okay. no.
0: Let's let's see him. How long it takes him to, you know, get here.
1: All right. If you give me the, if you give me our secret signal, Declan, I'll head out.
0: Declan, killing it with the music today. He is. I think uh, Ann Murray got her first break on Don Messer's Jamboree. Jam- I remember her from there was a summer show called Sing Along Jubilee, and um. Oh, there was a songwriter on that. Uh, uh, Gene McClellan was on that, I believe, as well, and he wrote like "Snowbird" and a couple of others. So, so there you go, Terry Clark, you bet. Amanda Marshall, you bet. Low Tide sounds like a guy who enjoys a good Benny Hill chase. Damn right, good music too. Benny Hill. New glasses, Jason Greger. Yeah. I've got to ask you something i've known you for a long time mm-hmm. and uh you're a smart guy i'm just going to tell you that in terms of broadcaster in terms of how you present yourself your business model you're you're a bright guy and you don't you don't misstep anything so i know you thought this through on the bet.
3: So- no i didn't now i did there there was the stoop was like an, i've made some dumb decisions in my life but never one that will last this long okay yeah no no it was it was a It was dumb. It was basically, Al, I was like the Edmonton Orders, (laughs) (laughs) self-destructive.
0: Like, it's true. But the honesty that is flowing uh, from you is pretty impressive. Like, (laughs) it was
3: just, I am, I honestly... It's rather annoying. I'm not. I can't even lie. Like I know the the audience thinks it's great and it's funny and that's awesome. But um, yeah. No, I'm not happy about it. Well, I, I can't, I'm not going to pretend here. I'm not going to get on the microphone and be like, you know what? Everything's great, Al. This is awesome. This is a chance for me to really see, you know, my fall of cools uh, flourish. No, 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 that's not it at all.
0: Well, I was in my 30s and I punched a hole in the wall when the Marc Messier trade went down, and oh, yeah. that was very immature. So okay. I think even though we grow up, we still have so that. that was, in see us.
3: that like a, a spur of the moment dumb. Like to me, the dumb decision was saying it. Originally, but Then I just should have let it go, right. and uh, I didn't. But um, still, Al, how, but if how let do you go... lose to the Sharks? Seriously, I don't care. Yeah. Like, you know what? Every time I see San Jose play, did you see the goal that Gouda yeah. scored last yeah. night? Yeah, I did.
0: I, like, I did. I did. come on, you lost to that team? <laughs> God. I, I I sort of knew they were in trouble, and you were in trouble, when the Sharks hung around. Oh, yeah. You know, like, that's the first sign. And then the worst part was Nugent Hopkins scores late, and then they get a
3: power play, and I'm like, oh, you know he Maybe it's one of those times where the, this they happen. wake up, but yeah. they didn't. And, uh, you know, Jay Woodcroft paid the price. Like, yeah. I got to pay the price, but it's much lower price. Like, I got to look like an idiot for a long time. But, um, you know, Jay Woodcroft, Dave Manson uh, pay the price for a team that has underachieved. I know they played great against uh, Seattle, but we saw them play very well against Calgary. And then we it, didn't. it didn't bounce back yeah. after that. So um, I, I would think that this uh, – this get, like, we always talk about new coach bump. New coach bump might be one side. I also think there's old coach guilt. Yeah, that, that that's part of it as well, right? Like yeah. th- this team when the season began, Jay Woodcroft had the second most wins in the NHL since he was hired. Yeah. right? Like I don't think he became an idiot overnight, no. and uh, you know I don't believe he lost the room whatsoever. Um, he had to pay the price for it, and like you can't keep doing this as an organization, right? And there's lots of, like, I get the optics. I have people texting me. I have people who aren't even sports fans asking me, like, what's going on? Why is, like, why are they bringing in Paul Coffey? He's, like, he's an assistant coach, but he's also the advisor to the owner. Now, I fir- I'll be surprised, Al, uh-huh. if he remains an assistant coach the entire full season. Right. And, um... Mark Stewart's on the on the squad, right? He's got some experience. Maybe maybe Knoblock will, you know, take some time, figure out. Hey, you know what? I need this. I need that. Whatever. Um, I, I think Coffee's here to observe, but also to, there's, you know, to say, hey, like maybe there is an issue in the room, mm-hmm. and the only way you're really going to know it is if you're in the room all the time. You can never fully know unless you're there and you're on the bench in game. Scale one to ten.
0: Coffee is GM possible.
3: I guess it's possible. Um, I, I'd be a little surprised, okay. right? Okay. Um, but, again, I'm surprised that he's an assistant coach. So no. would I be shocked, out? No, I wouldn't. I've the, seen how this organization, some of the decisions they've made over time, nothing no. nothing would shock me, right? Like, Daryl Cates is the owner, so let's make no no mistake here. The owner... Is well aware of everything that's going on. The owner is has a history of being impatient, like a lot of owners in pro sports. And sometimes part of the job is the CEO or the the GM, depending on the you know the president, whatever title it is. So a lot of it at times is talking your owner down from spur of the moment decisions. Very much, right? That's just what it is. So I don't, you know, we'll see what goes on here. Like the owners are a better team than the record states. Yes, but they're deserving of their record. I think two things can happen. They have played. Yep. They have not played well enough to win. They've deserved to to lose more of the games than they've won, no question. But they're also capable of moving forward now and winning more
0: games than they lose. Are you? Do you think we'll see a trade like like a goaltender brought in or something along those lines, or they'll just wait and see how it goes? Well,
3: I think that. Well, it's no secret, and I've I've talked to three or four different sources around the league. Like, of course, Ken Holland's the GM, has been calling. Yes, but. I, I never, the Binnington one, I know, you know what, that one didn't make, do I think that they kick a tire on it? Sure, but it's a tire that goes flat pretty quick. I yes. don't, I don't see that one that makes a lot of sense to me. So you look, I, I look at teams and be like, okay, well, who has a goalie that you can go get right now? Hey, could you luck out? Can you go find a Kippersoff? But think about it. I mentioned Kippersoff, Al. Because it's so long ago, yes. right? Um, and even look at Minnesota. Everyone's like, oh, geez, look at Gustafson. They got Gustavson and he's awesome. Now look at him this year. Yeah. Like, goalies, Al, you, you would – like, I just made a really dumb bet – even I'm not dumb enough to want to bet consistently on goaltenders. <laughs> yeah. Because there's so few of them that you know, like look at Sorokin comes into Edmonton tonight. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's been one of the best goalies in the NHL the last few years. He's got a nine oh seven on a team that's more defensively sound than they are offensively very sound. Much, right. Very so much, you yeah. never really know from from year to year what's gonna happen from your goaltender. Yeah, the system plays a factor in it, but Goaltending, is, it's a tough position. It's mentally challenging. Yeah. And if you're off just, if you're not, if you lose your mojo, just two percentile, yeah. I think it can see
0: guys derailed. Uh, my feeling is Woodcroft lost his job because the goalies didn't stop pucks, The new defensive system didn't work. But also McDavid and Ekholm were hurt. Is McDa- McDavid seems faster now, but his hands aren't right. Dude, I'm, I, I honestly think the McDavid injury has been blown
3: out of proportion. Okay. He missed two games. I watched him... He he stayed out late on the road in practice with doing battle drills with Dylan Holloway. You're mm-hmm. not injured if you're doing battle drills for 50 minutes. When asked about it, he says, "I got to get out of this funk." Yeah, okay. right. I I agree with you that his hands look off, oh. but because he's so good and yes. so now he he looks human, right? He's a hundred and thirtieth when the games start tonight in scoring. What the? You know what? 130th? Like, come on now. So, yeah, McDavid's got to play better. Drysaddle's got to play better. I know that sometimes people never want to say your best player's got to play better. But come on, he's 130th in the league. He's got the most minutes per game of the forwards. He's not getting – it's not like a lack of opportunity. And I'm not, and the funny thing is McDavid actually hasn't played bad defensively, Al. He hasn't no. made a lot of egregious defensive errors like other guys, but in the offensive zone, which is normally where he is a crusher, he hasn't been good. And it was an interesting observation from a guy who hasn't coached him in nine years, no. but does know the person probably better than most. Even if you haven't coached a guy in nine years, when you spend three years as a coach of a player, you probably get a good sense of who he is. And I thought his observation, he being Chris Knobloch yesterday, was interesting. He says, guys, just got to get back to having fun. Like, there's a lot of pressure. And I think, well, the, 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 the captain's skate was this great idea, Al. I think it was one that now you, it's like, guys, we got to be prepared. And you can't be playoff ready in October. I've said that for years. You can't. No one does it. You can't maintain it all year long. It's just mentally too draining. And so then the, the losses pile up. And now all of a sudden it's worse. Oh my God, we brought everybody together. It's not working. And geez, now I got to try and, you know, all of a sudden passes that he makes look easy aren't being easy. And maybe now he he, he hesitates. But yeah, you watch here, Al. Like eventually, and I'm not saying it's Chris Knobloch. I want to make that abundantly clear. But there's going to be just a, maybe the players, the coach says something in a way, Al, that's different. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're just like, the light goes on. And the light should never have gone off when you're that skilled, but even the best players in the game can can get into funks. And McDavid's in one, and, and Drysaddle is in a different funk. Like, his body language has been terrible lately. He's got to get into a better funk. They're clearly frustrated. They both admitted yeah. it, so I, I respect that. But you can't let your frustration overwhelm you, And which normally they don't. Yeah. But right now they have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Switching gears, I, I, I'm... I'll be honest, I'm not excited about this Grey Cup. I don't know why. I guess I thought Toronto would be there. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I, you know, ordinarily I can get up for like because Winnipeg is an interesting team. But, yeah, you know, and I give the LOS credit. But how, how do you feel about this Grey Cup matchup?
3: You know what? The Grey Cup, I love the Grey Cup. Me so too. um So I've covered it many times uh, in being in the city. It's great. It's fun. You know, yeah, Montreal's not the sexy choice for sure. No. Yeah. But, hey, give Jason Moss credit, man. No. Yeah. Look at the many people in this city. Jason Monson, terrible coach. He can't coach. He's too emotional. Really? Was he a little bit emotional at times? Yes. Was that the bane of his existence? No. So hey, give him credit. I'll give Danny Machota credit too. Like yes. the GM oh, yeah. of the team, like their their team's good. No. You know they're the underdog, no question. Like they're going in against a team that's been in the Great Cup now four in a row. They they lost two, won two and lost one. Like I could, they could be the Patriots, win three out of four. Right, yep. it, it wouldn't yeah. be a surprise to me at all. And in fact, you know, I right now without even looking at the injury charts or anything, I'm picking Winnipeg. Yes, right? me too. How could I yeah. not? Like, but upsets happen, which are great. So. Yeah. Um, but I think Winnipeg's gonna win. Maybe it's because it's a team four years in a row that's in and out. Maybe that lowers yeah. the, uh, excitement, uh, for you somewhat. Um, Toronto not being there. I, it would have been, I know it's, it's no offense to Montreal, but yeah, I, if Toronto, Toronto would have been great. Yeah, I no. think it's probably a bigger draw because they were 16 and two. Yes. But, you know, the Argos are basically the 89 Elks, or Eskimos, right? Yeah. That's remember, remember they were that. sixteen and two and didn't get out of the didn't get to the Great Cup.
0: I talked to Stu Hill about that and he said it's the most frustrating game he was ever in. He said it still bothered him like twenty oh, years later. Because so.
3: you knew you wasted and that's what's tough about football is you have one game. In a yeah. seven game series, Al, you can have a crap game and still win the series. Yeah. It's impossible in football.
0: He told me that in the fourth quarter the Rough Riders players were like laughing at them because they knew they'd look past them and they were losing, and they couldn't get it back, and it was over. And, you know, for professional athletes, that is really tough to take. Nah. And there it was. Um, it's like me looking in the mirror for the next six months, Al. It's tough to take. <laughs> you know what, though? I got to say, I, kudos to you for the attitude and the, the, the honesty about it, you know? Good, good job. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Yeah,
3: no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, But I appreciate that, Al. Uh, the one thing I want to say uh, today um, I, I th- I'm I'm a big. I read lots of books on psychology and different things, and th- there's a few things that really impress. And I'm not one who normally gets super impressed by press conferences, mm-hmm. right? You're just uh, but th- there's been a few things that I've liked from Chris Knobloch already in a few days. Number one, I like any man who's in touch with his emotional side. I think it's very important. For the longest time in society, it was ridiculously talked about that men were never supposed to be emotional. I actually think you're stronger when you can be in touch with your emotions. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know if if you saw his press conference or not. At the very end, you know, Speck had asked him just kind of like about the people that helped him get here. And he got pretty choked up, right? And, uh, you know, obviously about his wife, it's emotional for him leaving his family. Like, you follow your dream, but then... You know, you want your family to be there with you when you do it, right? Yes. So they won't be right away. His kids are in school and, you know, maybe, I don't know what, does it, they come after Christmas or anything? Like, yep. I don't know the age of his kids. Right? If your kids are in high school, man, you're, you're not just going to uproot them in high school. That's a very yep. tough thing to do. So yep. I, I like that. But there's a few things. He goes, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. No. This is how we're going to play. And, oh, by the way, Al, you know what they're going to play? They're going to play zone defense. Oh, good. No, no, here's the thing. This this garbage excuse, I think the fact that everyone's like, oh, yeah, the system didn't work. The system's fine. I agree. It's not even hard. Execute the system, players. Thank you. Simple, like this garbage one. Oh, the Woodcroft. Give me a break. Like, these are NHL players. Do you think it's that difficult to learn a zone system? Think about it. you have your own little quadrant on the ice yep. so I gotta stay in an eight foot radius pretty much now give her i'm i'm obviously i'm you know hyper hyperbole there a little bit but you're it's it's a little bit easier it's simplified yeah if the guys want to do it it's a commitment to doing it
0: and head on a swivel it always has to be you've got to move
3: around it's that simple and oh by the way no system you've ever been coached in the history will be like hey guys let's vacate the slot or hey let's just let them run free through the neutral zone so execute better players um he also talked about how He'll bring in new things as the season goes. It's not going to be a, uh, everything right away. Um, he feels the team's better with McDavid-Drysaddle split up, so he put them on separate lines. But then he openly talked about the challenge of, hey, they got a lot of minutes, so sometimes you want to play them together, yeah. which, just be honest, he gave, I thought, very thoughtful answers, explaining things in detail, wasn't afraid to say, hey, this is how I'm going to play. We're going to play a zone system. Oh, my God. The other teams know we're playing zone now. Like, no, that, none of that stuff's happening here. So I think, you know, I'm curious. I think Knobloch inherits a very good situation, similar to Jay Woodcroft, right? Mm-hmm. Jay Woodcroft, when he took over the orders, they weren't void of talent. No, They weren't playing well. And sadly, Al, it's basically the exact same thing. The only difference is now it's 20 months later.
0: Yeah. Um, his mannerisms and his presentation and the way he looks reminded me a little bit of Lloyd Braun. Did he say serenity now at all?
3: <laughs> no. no. Well, Al, he hasn't coached a game yet. Yeah. Right? Let's, uh, let's get a mic on him in the game when all of a sudden you're like, oh, did we just take a high-risk play that had no chance of succeeding? Oh, God, here we go. Yeah. And that was the one thing that stood out from coffee. Yeah. The one thing to me he talked about. All I want to talk with our defenseman is play the odds where you are on the ice. Yeah. And it's a very simple way to put it, but it's very direct and true. This team, and the the easiest example that fans can, when when he goes, what does he mean by that? Just go back to the Vancouver game and look at the Evan Bouchard play. Mm -hmm. Evan Bouchard, the the odds were extremely low that anything positive happens when he does, if he just retreats back, it's a two on two, maybe a three on three, but Drysdale was coming back probably a three on three. And you should be able to control that. No big issue, yeah. but those decisions, and I'm not just saying Bouchard, Nurse, CC. Bouchard, yeah. CC go down the list. At at times, the forwards, everybody on this team, too often takes the low risk decision even when they've been in control of the games yeah, and stop gifting the big goals. And so coffee, I would like to think he, cause he's been around the team for 15 months. So he's watched a lot of the games. Right. Yeah. So I think maybe that's why he comes in here is, you know, he can, him and on they can have their conversations. Okay. This is what I've seen. I guarantee you will be like, the number one thing is guys stop it. And then, Will they hold him accountable, Al? No. And I know that people are like, well, what does that mean? Like, you're going to bench McDavid? Of course not. I'm not bench McDavid's actually the one guy I haven't really seen make any defensive miscues. His offense has, has disappeared by his standards. Right. Right. And I expect it to come back. I'm, that's like if I had things on a list of things I'd worry about, McDavid finding his offense wouldn't even be on the list. Yeah. Because I think it's going to well, happen. Well,
0: got a five point game yeah. out there somewhere.
3: But when you see those big errors. You know, and, and it won't if it happens tonight. I don't think the coach does it in one game because that's the only time he's seen it. Mm-hmm. But look at Johnny Gaudreau in Columbus. Look at Jonathan Huberdeau in Chicago. Look at uh, Damon Severson in Columbus. Look at like Kuj- there's lots of guys around the league. J.T. Miller with yeah. Rick Tockett. Good players. That doesn't mean they're shrinking violets. But you have to hold them accountable if the same mistakes keep repeating themselves. Yeah. What's well, coming up on the show? We will. Uh, hey, we'll hear from uh, from Knobloch and and more on that. Al obviously a deep dive. We'll go to the the Islanders. We'll uh, we'll join. Also, Al a, a a book that is coming out that I think you will appreciate. Uh, talking about uh, some of the best enforcers of uh, of all oh, time. So okay. that's going to come out at uh, at three twenty. We'll be talking about that. Uh, Terry Ryan will join us live on set from uh, shores. He can't do the full two hours because they're uh, they're in filming, but he's got a little bit of a break. So can
0: uh, he, Could he will... give you some uh, plot twists?
3: Well, or... a little bit, but obviously he doesn't want to give up too much. Right, okay. But um, right. he did make you know, and sadly there is something reference about his hair, and I wanted to give him the middle finger after he told me about it. But yeah, wow, so there's, that's some cruel of rip- him. there's some hair. There's some exactly. Alex. Yeah, it's, no. c- it's a little too soon, I would say, too <laughs> soon still. Like, geez, let the scab's not even covered over yet, and people just kind of you want to rip it off again. So, well, you know, we'll have some fun. To, uh. With that and uh Woodley will be by and uh we'll be talking goaltending, uh Sorokin. Uh, hey, Stuart Skinner had a decent game, but he guess did. what, Al? He didn't have to get you know, he wasn't in a shooting gallery. Four high dangers, that's it crazy how that works. Yeah, thanks, Jason. And then you and you know what though, to his credit, he made a high danger save early in the game out, which I've said for months, at some point your goalie has to make a key save, and he did in that game. Yeah, good stuff.
0: Thank you, Jason. Jason Gregor coming up at two o'clock today. On the way, it's Mama MMA. With our friend Declan, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. That's the most immature thing I'll do this year. But I really wanted to hear that song.
1: We've written our wrongs, and it was done as it oh, was supposed man. to be. So I'm glad we're here. I'm glad you called me because you know what? You were giving me some death eyes, and I did not get it at all. I thought it was we were like playing a joke, little. Oh, no, I was
0: like, what the hell? I, I, you know, I genuinely look forward to that. So I thank you for playing it. It's and-
1: pretty impressive that I miss that I messed up the intro song to my own segment. Not something you see every day. You but, know what? You know, we're here now. So I,
0: I predicted this early on in our time together because you get relaxed, right? Yeah. Just a human nature It's like um, You know uh, You get comfortable with people And then they have to tell you "I Look I'm getting my hair cut Could you, could you notice <laughs> Stuff like that <laughs>
1: Yes So yes.
0: good job Good effort And All you right. did it And you made it right And now it's time for Mama MMA With our friend Declan
1: Yes sir the segment that pays the bills no listen all right so i'll start off by saying ufc 295 was this past week and obviously an incredible card maybe i shouldn't say obviously because it's i've touched on it before how niche of a sport it is and i know it doesn't have it has a devoted fan base but it may not have a wide fan base it was an incredible card the main card was five knockout victories three in the first round two in the second round i'll start things off with the main event so the main event was alex Pereira and yuri prohaska yuri prohaska is a he's from czechia he is he is only 3 and 0 oh in the UFC but he became the light heavyweight world champion on the back of those three fights because he was so polished outside of the outside of the UFC he has 28 he has 29 wins 28 of which are by stoppage 25 of which are in the first round he's a killer among killers he tore his shoulder was coming back to fight a guy named Alex Pereira who is a two division glory kickboxing champion Alex Pereira is the former middleweight champion. His last middleweight fight, he got knocked out by Israel Adesanya, moved up a weight class, won his debut fight in the weight class against the number three guy in the world at the time, Jan Blachowicz, and was now fighting for the, for the light heavyweight title. I touched on this before on our show. I touched on this when I hopped on Jason Greger's show. But were, with were we Halle. listening? If you weren't, that's why I'm going to touch on it again. Okay. Some people who think they're fans of the UFC, and I say quote-unquote casual fans, they're not a fan as, uh, they're not as much of a fan as mixed martial arts as they are of kickboxing. Oh, I've heard you say this. Yes. And yes. this was a fight that was bound to be a kickboxer's paradise. Now, to Yuri's credit, his easiest path to victory was to grapple Alex. And he tried. He got him down in the first round. Alex was able to get up near the, near the end of the round. But for mo- for the most part and for all intents and purposes, you knew this was going to be a fight that was going to be played out on the feet. Now, I don't want to use the word timid, but each guy was a little reserved. Each guy was well well aware of the tools that the man standing across from him had. Alex Pereira dug his calf kicks in. He, he built a base early on, ca- calf kicking Yuri, took his legs out from under him, and was able to open up up top. Now, the finishing sequence, and I'll get to this. Alex Pereira, for anyone who did not see, won the fight by second round knockout. The finishing sequence, he had his back against the cage. Yuri was closing in on him. And he just torqued a left hook from such a close angle. With his foot? To, no, with his hand. Okay. Left, Yeah, left hook is a punch.
0: He okay. torqued a left well, hook. He's I mean, in boxing, but, you know, this yeah, is I mean, of MMA. Of so.
1: course, of course. No, he torqued a left hook right off the cage, barely swiveled his hips. For anyone who knows, to throw a left hook, you throw it with your hips. You turn your whole body into it. You don't throw it with your arm you turn your whole body into it and rotate back. He barely put his hips into it and was able to drop this guy. Yuri he goes down to the ground. He shoots kind of a lazy double leg. He's on his knees. What we call a panic shot. As he's panic shooting, Alex Pereira digs about 7 elbows into his head.
0: Panic Yuri- shot, I know.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From there, now when I watched it initially, I thought it was maybe an early stoppage. I thought, you know what? This is a world title fight. This guy is an absolute warrior. He's a killer. Give him a chance. Give him a chance to let the fight go on, see if he can get out of there. We've seen him get out of these situations before against Glover Teixeira. So I thought maybe this was a bit of an early stoppage. On the replay, you can see when Yuri is on his knees trying to lock up the double leg, trying to get his hands locked behind, behind Alex's thighs, his arms go completely limp. Mm. And he's eating, se- he's eating at this point seven unanswered elbows from one of the scariest men on the planet. So the arms go limp, he kind of falls back into what you would think would be a pulling guard position when he pulls someone into your guard, but he wasn't pulling guard. He was completely unconscious. He goes out. The commentators think it's a little quick. Everyone kind of thinks it's a little quick. The fans are booing a little bit. Yuri comes out in his post-fight in the post-fight interview and says, "No, that was a good stoppage. I was out." And in only 7 UFC fights, Alex Pereira is a two-division world champion. He was the middleweight world champion. Now he's the light-heavyweight world champion. And he's already beaten four champions in his tenure. He beat Sean Strickland, Jan Blahovich, Israel Adesanya, and now Yuri Prohaska. Seven fights, two-division champion, four champions beaten already. Seven uncontested elbows. Would that be a great name for a hip-hop band? Oh, it'd be a great name
0: for any band. Yeah. It'd Country, not so much, maybe. But, you know, rock and roll, too, maybe.
1: Yeah. I- and I'll touch on this one as well, because the co event was... Tom Aspinall vs Sergey Pavlovich for the interim heavyweight championship of the world. Sergey Pavlovich was a guy who was eighteen and one in his career. He had six first round knockouts coming into this fight. Was the scariest contender. Was getting turned down by everyone. Tom Aspinall. Now credit to Sergey, he did this as well. But Tom Aspinall took this fight on two weeks' notice. He was off the couch. And in the post fight interviews, he said he hurt his back and couldn't even really train that much. So he took the he took the fight on short notice against the scariest guy in the division. He came in and knocked this guy out in the first round. He took a good left hook. Sergey clipped him with a great left hook, woke Tom up a little bit. And it was such a small sample size. It was such a short sample size. But Tom Aspinall's speed... Movement, his ability to cut angles, his ability to go in and out quickly with his punches, with his back, with his head movement, with his legs is second to none in that division. It was just a, it was just a one-two. It was a straight jab, straight jab, right hand over the top, clipped Sergey by the temple. That was all she wrote. A minute and ten seconds to knock out what was thought to be the scariest contender in the heavyweight division, and we have a new interim world cha- world heavyweight champion.
0: Beautiful, love yeah. it. Well done. What's it's next? What's the next uh, event?
1: So the the one that I'm looking forward to is a boxing event. It's Shakur Stevenson versus Edwin, Edwin De Los Santos on November sixteenth for the vacant WBC lightweight world title. Okay, now Shakur's going to run through this guy. It's not going to be close. It's a showcase fight for him. It's it's hey. Who, who do you want to fight for this world title? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a nothing fight. He's Slay, looking, at, he's looking ahead it's to bigger things. Yeah, it, right. it's, it's a nothing fight. It's, it's, it's who can he beat up really badly on primetime television that we can get, that we can build a fan base for? Okay. He's, so, he's levels above this guy. The skill is not even comparable. He's in a different class and he's looking ahead to the big names at lightweight after this one, surely. The Devin Haney's, the Tank Davis's, the Ryan Garcia's. I know Ryan's t- dabbled in 140, but he's looking to those big names. He's going to get a belt. He's going to be a world champion now in this weight class. He's He's already done it at super featherweight. He's going to be a world champion now at this weight class and big fights on the horizon for one of the best pure boxers in boxing.
0: Well done, young man. Thank you. Very good job. I'm sweating over here. Well, you did you did very well. Will you shave your head for a cause, Low Tide? Actually, no. Uh, my dad, and my grandpa, my brother, everybody in my family has uh, losing hair issues. So... I don't know. I don't know. Nobody explained to me why. I have my suspicions, um, but no, I won't. I, I would not shave my head because I'm afraid it won't come back. I feel like maybe I've laid on it properly all these years, or something, and I don't know. I I will not do that. I don't have a lot going for me, but hair is one of them, so I will. I will probably keep it. Hmm, I'm not sure what this is. Maybe you could, <clears throat> maybe you could help me with this. This might be an MMA question. I work on my feet and developed a terrible corn. One of my farm boyfriends said his dad used to freeze and treat corns. So I bought quick start ether from Canadian Tire. and been spraying my corn. What, what do we think that was texted
1: to our show or? I do think it was texted to our show and you left out a crucial last sentence. Thought thought I, could, thought I could give you a good laugh. So well, I think it was just a just still, a funny story. there. still, did you mention corn or feet a lot? No, but sometimes I, you know, maybe he just thought we needed to pick up the energy a little bit here. He wanted to get us chuckling, maybe he wanted that's to get us it.
0: going. Could you tell me what Connor's been doing for the last two hours? He's God. never been in this room more than he has
1: right now. No, listen, I wish I could tell you. There's something about it. Listen, the building is empty today. For anyone who doesn't know, we're the right. only station here. It, it's a bit. It's it feels a little free willy. Over here, you know well, what I mean? Well, like kinda, i don't.
0: Not I'm leaving.
1: There's more of a thought process. That's what's process, happening. I'm gone. I'm saying we feel like we feel like we can do what we want a little bit today. It's the well, inmates running the there's asylum. There's a big difference between doing what you want
0: and free Willie. We're not doing that.
1: Well, I don't know. Okay. Clearly, you have an idea of what Connor was doing, so why do I bother? So, do we have what Jason's already told
0: us, but do we have what's coming up on the Jason Greger Show? Yes,
1: absolutely. So, Robin Brownlee is going to be joining the Jason Greger Show at 2.20. Robin Brownlee of Oilers Nation. Cam Tate with the two-minute warning. Going to be on at 2.40. Terry Ryan, Jason touched on it. Not going to be able to do the full two hours today, but will still be on at uh, 3 o'clock. Dale Arnold, the author he was mentioning, is going to be by at 3.20. Andy Petrillo from CBC Sports and One Soccer at 4 o'clock. Butch Goring. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It is a new name to me. Butch but
0: Goring. Yes, you did. You
1: did. Okay, wonderful. He'll be by at 425. Five questions, of course, at 440. Specs going to be, be by at 5 o'clock. Kevin Woodley at 520. And then, like Jason said, some Chris Knoblock as well so that's what's happening on the jason greger show today beautiful
0: all right well we had a great day today it, these are easy shows to do because you fire a coach and then the sports radio takes care of itself but it was fun and i enjoyed it very much thank you so much jason Gregor. on the way uh, right now it's time for a sports update